of the glory of our God. Praise the Lord. Luke 15 in your Bibles. Thank you, Paul. Luke 15. I realize it's 1123 and it's Father's Day and we don't have church tonight. And what that means is preachers are really tempted to say, well, since we don't have church tonight, hey, (laughs) y'all in for an afternoon message, you know? Uh, no, we won't do that. We want you to have time with your family, obviously. But we, we, we do want to preach. We want to teach. We want to share God's word. It's exciting. And it's friend day. I don't know how many of you received. I know that all of our church members received a packet of these cards. And, and you passed these out this week. And we have folks in the service I've already met that received one of these and came as a result of that. And uh, that's what this is. Now, <clears throat> social media is a great thing. And... So much of what we do now kind of plays off of that. It's, it's incredible. A lot of the advertisement we do, even our church and other churches and businesses, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's just amazing how the language of social media has spilt over into our everyday conversations and languages. In fact, we had a marriage here yesterday. Uh, Mom and Dad are here to, to continue the celebration. And uh, we had Chris Baker uh, get married to Jessica uh, Leonardo. And they met through a friend request. It's incredible. I mean, just Chris sent a friend request to Jessica, and she said, who is this? You know, and he said, a stalker. No, just kidding. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, they followed one another as friends, however you do that. I, I'm not super savvy with all, with all of that, but I know uh, some of the language, and, and, and I know it's, it's following a friend, and then you can sometimes become better friends and closer friends through that. And so, Initially, what we like to do as a church family is, is begin a friendship. Uh, you know, we're not asking anyone here to, to join our church today because you attended our church. It uh, doesn't mean you, you're a member or that you have to join. In fact, it, it, it has nothing to do with that. It's simply, we're just glad you're here as, as our friends. And we thank you for coming. And Friend Day is a very, very special day uh, in our church. And we're glad that, that you came today. And it's Father's Day as well. And, and I think for many of us, our best friends are, are our dads. I know my best friend is my dad. I love my dad. lives in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I just got to spend a few days with him in California for the wedding. And it was awesome. And so uh, friends are, are very special. And with that in mind, I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 15 because... In Luke chapter 15, Jesus addresses <clears throat> a, an accusation that he was given by some Pharisees and scribes. The religious leaders of that day looked at Jesus and began to criticize him. And here's why. They criticized him for this reason. They said, you are a friend of sinners. And they began to criticize now, before we get into that story, and I give you three quick points, and I want you to pay attention, and I promise I'll not lengthen the message at all, but I want to develop a, a thought process in you today that, that, that might begin with this question. Was there a time, has there ever been a time in your life where you were closer to God than you are right now? And just take some time to think about that question, because I'm going to come back to that question at the very end of the sermon. So I'm going to give you some time to, to think about that Have I ever been closer to God? How about this? Was there ever a time in your life, has there ever been a time where Jesus Christ has been more real to you than he is at this very moment? Has there ever been a time? And if there has been a time, would you like to go back to that time 
and begin today afresh a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe today you've never had that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and some of this is, is new to you. And we are so glad you're here. And in just a moment, we're going to explain to you how you can have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and make him your very best friend because he is a friend to all of us here today who are sinners, which is all of us here today. Some of us might be just plagued with guilt. I know I've been plagued with guilt before, thinking that maybe I, I could never be there again. I could never go back to where I once was and, and experience the grace of God and the love of God because of maybe mistakes I've made or things I've done. And, and, and the devil begins to put this guilt trip on me, that, and he's told me that, that I, I, there's no way, there's no way I could ever go back and experience God's blessings and, and, and be on that mountaintop again serving God. And I want you to know that that's a lie. That God today wants to have as deep and as strong and as powerful and as awesome a relationship with you than he's ever had before. So Luke chapter 15, and I want you to see it beginning in verse number 1. Look at it. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. Publicans and sinners. Publicans in that day were the tax collectors out of Rome. Despised people. These would have been men who had left their homeland and gone to work for the Roman government, hated people, despised people, not liked very much. Publicans and sinners, really one word, if you will, publicans and sinners. And they came to hear who? Jesus. Jesus. These publicans, these sinners came to hear Jesus speak. But verse 2, we have another Two people that are really just, if you will, two groups of people that really represent one. And these people are called Pharisees and scribes. Let me tell you who they represent. They represent the religious crowd of that day. These were the guys that really thought they had it all together. They didn't really need Jesus. They didn't need his message. Uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't appreciate what he was doing, reaching out to these sinners. And so the scribes, rather the Pharisees and the scribes, they began to murmur. And here's what they said. They said, this man receiveth sinners, and he eats with them. It's disgusting. It's ridiculous. Who does he think he is? He's a friend of, of sinners. He eats with them. He talks with them. They began to criticize Jesus. You know, I long, learned something a long time ago that doesn't take much size to criticize. Some people think they have the gift of criticism. It's, it's their spiritual gift. I mean... I'm not criticizing. This is just God's giving me a gift to gossip and murmur and, and reveal secrets, you know. Kind of like Pastor Jones one time in, in the church service, you know. He looked out there at Mr. Williams and he said, Mr. Williams, would you please stand and lead us in a word of criticism? Because Brother Williams, he didn't do much praying, but he did a whole lot of criticizing. And that's what these Pharisees and scribes did, these, these, this religious crowd. They came to judge. They came to look for something wrong. And, and they found something they thought was wrong. And that was this. Jesus is a friend to sinners. And so that's what the parable is about. Jesus basically, to give you a, 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 something to, to, to step into the, to the message with, it is a, a, a conversation that Jesus has with these religious leaders. That's what this is. It's not three parables. It's one parable, three things in the parable, three stories in the parable. And each one of these stories shows us something. Now, there's three things in this parable that we're going to look at two different times quickly. And that is lost sheep, lost silver, and a lost son. 
Lost sheep, lost silver, lost son. Three things in one parable. All right, let's look at the first one. The first lesson, if you will, is talks about the sinful condition of, of mankind. We start kind of on a, a, a realistic note, a very realistic note. The fact that Jesus wants to show us that we are all sinners. And he begins to reveal why, don't miss this, why, why am I a friend of sinners? I'll tell you why, because of their sinful condition. That's why I'm a friend of them. Because they need something. They're, they're lost. They, they're looking. They're lost. They need someone to love them and to tell them that they don't have to, to die with an empty life and, and die and go to a, to a place called hell. They don't have to do that. That's why I'm a friend of sinners. And so Jesus begins to illustrate this, first of all, by speaking about a lost sheep. Look, if you would, in verse 4, and you'll see the conversation take off here. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home with this lost sheep, here's what he does. He gets all of his friends and neighbors together, and he says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then Jesus says, here's what I'm saying. Here's why I'm a friend of sinners. Likewise, you, uh, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 90 and 9 just persons which need no repentance. Now, what is this lost sheep picture here? It's a lesson. It's symbolic. The lost sheep, first of all, pictures the weakness of man without God. Does anybody know much about sheep? I'm not a professional sheep person. I, I, I do know this. There's not a whole lot to know about sheep in a sense of their talent, their gifts, their abilities. The bottom line is sheep are pretty dumb. They really are. I mean, you've not gone to a circus where you've ever seen sheep performing. Elephants, yes. Tigers, yes. Camels, yes. Giraffes, yes. Sheep, they're dumb. Okay? You're not going to see much about sheep. Uh, in fact, the Bible describes us like sheep when it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. In other words, we're lost without God. We have no hope. We can't find our way without, without God. We're lost without him. Without Jesus Christ, we too are spiritually dumb. We can't find our way and Jesus begins to teach that here, the weakness of man without God. That's why I'm a friend of sinners. And then sheep are not only a dumb animal, but they're a dependent animal. They're very dependent upon their shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd is lost. A sheep without a shepherd is, is, is in trouble. It's in danger. Very dependent. And we too are very dependent. I want everyone here to know this morning that I am very dependent as a pastor, a teaching pastor here who, who, who went to Bible school, who graduated recently uh, from, from, from a seminary, uh, and, and who, who reads a lot and studies a lot. I'm scared half to death. I am lost up here on this platform. I'm scared to even stand here without God's totally dependent upon him i don't know what to do I, this is too many people for me to help at one time oh god help me help them understand i'm dependent upon him with no shepherd 
I'm lost and you're lost. If you're here today without the chief shepherd, there's something that's, that's empty in your life and, and you know it. And then a sheep is defenseless. Think about it. Dogs what? They bite. And then you've got uh, horses that kick. Horses kick, dogs bite, and, and cats scratch. And skunks stink. And sheep. <laughs> Completely defenseless. What does the Bible say? We are sheeps ready for the slaughter. Defenseless. Without Christ, we're defenseless against the enemies of this world. Spiritual wickedness. The devil and all of his demons. And so this is what the lost sheep pictures. He pictures the weakness of man without God. But then there's the lost coin, the lost silver, right? And what the lost silver pictures is the worthlessness of man without God. A sheep without a shepherd. The Bible teaches here using a piece of silver, a coin, the the worthlessness of man without God. Look at it beginning in verse 8. Either that woman, he, he speaks of a woman here, and there's some significance to that. We'll talk about that. And here's this woman has 10 pieces of silver, right? And here's what happens. She loses one of the 10. And here's what she does. She has 10 coins, she loses one coin, and and she goes crazy. She loses it. She lights a candle, she gets a broom, she sweeps the house, and she doesn't stop till she finds it. And when she finds it, verse 9, she goes crazy. She calls all of her friends and says, we're having a Tupperware party. Amen. (laughs) Come on over the house, it's on me. You're not going to believe this. And she says, rejoice with me. I have found the peace which I had lost. And then Jesus says, likewise, listen, Pharisees and scribes. Listen, you religious, pharisaical, better than everybody else. Listen to me. I say there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Hallelujah to that. Now, back in the Middle East, which is where we're at here in Scripture, we need to understand something. If you take a gold piece of value, and I'll give you some, an illustration. If you take a gold piece, and I don't have a great illustration, but I have a decent one. Here's a, I put a couple of coins in my pocket here. I put a, a, a coin that has some value to me. It was a gift to me. It's a gold coin um, with, with some, some things inscribed on the coin. And uh, it, it means a lot to me. It's a special gift. I have it in my office in a special little place. And then this is just a red penny. Now, in my possession... Which one is more valuable? This one. I mean, as long as I have it, as long as they're not lost, as long as they're in my pocket, hey, I'm guarding this right pocket a whole lot more than I am this left pocket. But if I lose these things, think about it. Theoretically, they're both unprofitable. They both have no value. If I lose them... It doesn't mean that I would want to find this one more, but the truth of the matter is, is lost, they're both of no value. They're lost. They're not worth anything lost. And the Bible says that that is man without God. He he is worthless. Now, how was this coin lost? This coin was lost in darkness. Look at verse 8. 
the Bible says here about this coin. That this woman, she had ten pieces, she lost one, and she lit a candle. Because the coin was lost in darkness, she had to light a candle to find it. And so too, we are lost in darkness The Bible says in John chapter 3, in verse number 19, I'll just read this to you. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world. But here's the problem, guys. Men loved darkness rather than light. Here's why. Because their deeds were evil. So it's lost in darkness. But secondly, it's lost in dirtiness. The Bible says she got a broom and she began to sweep. Because the floor was dirty. There was, there was dirt on the floor. There was sand. There was dust on the floor. And, and, and it may have been covering that coin. And she's trying to find that coin, stirring up all kinds of dirt. And that's the condition of man without God. Dirty. Even our righteousness. It's like filthy rags, the Bible says. Dirt. And then... It was lost in disgrace. Disgrace. You see, in the Middle East, a woman, when she was married, would oftentimes be given a gift of 10 pieces of silver that she would take a little uh, ribbon and she would, because each one of those silver coins had a little hole in the middle of the coin that she would thread that ribbon through those 10 coins. And you've seen pictures of this. You have, if you think about it. Uh, She'd place that around her head as a headband. 10 coins. But then if she was unfaithful to her husband, one of those coins would be removed and everyone would know her disgrace. That's how they would reveal that. And so you can imagine, here's this woman. She hasn't been unfaithful, but she lost this coin. And if she doesn't find the coin, nobody's going to know that she wasn't unfaithful. She will be a disgrace regardless of whether or not she really committed that uh, sin or not. She's looking for it. That's why she was so pumped when she found it. Oh my goodness, you gotta know, I found the coin! So here's a, a coin, lost in darkness, lost in dirt, lost in disgrace. And the devil wants to make a disgrace of your life. But I've got some good news. (laughs) It doesn't have to be that way. And then there's a lost son, right? And this lost son pictures the wretchedness of man. The wretchedness of man. The last illustration here. And here we go to the story that so many of us are familiar with. It begins in verse 11. Follow along with me. Maybe you're not familiar with this at all. And it says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself... He said, how many, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and, and, I'll, and before thee and I'm more worthy to be called thy son. Just, just God, Dad, make me one of the hired servants. Just let me live in the backyard and sleep under a tent, God. I just want to come home, Father. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father, whoa, whoa, Father, I've sinned against heaven in thy sight. Father, wait a minute. 
I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Awesome story. Think about it. It's Father's Day, right? Father's Day. Son goes to his dad. Yo, dad. I know I got an inheritance coming when you die. But I want it. I don't want to wait till you're dead. Give me my inheritance. Broke his dad's heart. In essence, what was he saying to his dad? I wish you were dead. Broke his dad's heart. But he gave the inheritance both to the older son and to the younger son. The Bible says he went off to a far country. We're not sure where that was. We just know there was whiskey, wine, and women. And he had a time lived it up but then he ran out (laughs) and when he ran out he hit rock bottom and you know what this is this is a picture of a life without god that's what this is and you know it's amazing to me but this this young boy he he didn't want his dad but he wanted what his dad had and i find there are many people today sitting even in church who want the blessings of god but they don't want the blesser They want the benefits of of, of going to church, but they don't want to commit to church and be a part of the family. And so, what is a life without God? Well, number one, it's a life of depression. Look at verse 14. Verse 14, the Bible says here, that when he had spent all, he arose, there rose a mighty family and he began to be in want. He quickly got depressed and discouraged. Why? Why? You know, we say oftentimes, it pays to serve Jesus, it pays every day, it pays every step of the way. Can I get an amen? It pays to serve Jesus. It costs to serve the devil. It's very costly. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. Sin is costly. Now, to this man, it was very costly financially. His whole financial portfolio was through. It was done. It was, it was history. Somebody may say here today, well, I'm not in bad shape financially. I'm kind of doing what I want to do, living my own kind of life, but I got lots of money. Well, many men have much in their purse, but they have nothing in their person. Lose their character. Lose their integrity. Lose their influence. Lose their reputation. Lose their family, lose their soul. What does it profit a man, bro? If he gains the whole world, congratulations. And yet you spend the rest of eternity in hell? What? For money? It's a life of depression. A very poor person is a man who has a lot of things but has, doesn't have God. Isn't that what it means in Revelation 3.17? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? You've got a lot of things, but you don't have the main thing, the most important thing. It's a life of depression. It's a life of degradation. Look at verse 15. It says here, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. Now, I know that, you know... It, 
I don't expect anyone here to know a whole lot about Jewish dietary laws, but let me assure you of something. This was not a good place for him to be. On the menu of the Jewish dietary uh, menu was not pigs or pork. (laughs) And here this man is in a place he never thought he would be. He is so low, he is in a pig pen feeding and eating with swine, pigs, hogs. You know, we say now his life's gone to the dogs. Well, they used to say his life's gone to the hogs. I don't mean razorbacks either, amen. A life of degradation. You'd be surprised how far Satan can take you down. You'd be surprised. I tell young people all the time, Give him an inch, he'll take a mile. I never talked to a man who lost his family that didn't at some point in my office say, how did this happen? Where did it all start? We trace it back to one little click on a computer. I'm okay. I'm okay. I can watch this. Father's Day is not so great anymore. Tough now. Lost his family because of one little mistake that began a second, a third, and a fourth. It's very costly. The life of degradation. Then it's a life of dissatisfaction. Look at verse 16 here. It says, And he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I have perished with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. He wasn't satisfied. He was totally dissatisfied. And oh, the emptiness of a man without God. If you get away from God, nothing will satisfy you but Jesus. Nothing. And that's why I asked you the question, has there ever been a time in your life where you've been closer to God than you are right now? Here's a man who is hungry. I wonder how many of you are hungry this morning. I mean, you came to church and you're looking for something. You're hungry. There's a hunger in your heart. Let me tell you who put that hunger there. Don't miss this. Jesus put that hunger there. God put that hunger there. Amen. That hunger is there. That's a good sign. If you're hungry today, if you came today, if you're searching today, if you're interested today, if you feel something today that's drawing you, drawing you to, the, to Christ, drawing you to him, oh, I've got some good news for you. Listen, we've talked about the depravity of man, but let's quickly close with talking about the great, loving heart of God. He loves us. He loves us. Do you know how much he loves you? Let's talk about the saving compassion of God. And God gives symbols here. He uses the sheep, the silver, and the sun again. Look at verse 4. Again, real quickly. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? You know what that is a picture of? That is a picture of the Son of God. His name is Jesus. And in this picture, listen, church, we see the redeeming nature of God the Son. Jesus. Going after that sheep. He went after that sheep. Why did God send Jesus, why did he leave the glories of heaven? Has anybody ever wondered that? Why did Jesus leave the glories of heaven? It amazes me. People think they can save themselves. Listen, if you could save yourself in Jesus, then a whole lot of hurting for nothing. You can't save yourself. God sent his son Jesus who left the glories of heaven 
so he could come and save you. Luke 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And when he finds you, ho, ho, I'm telling you, there's some rejoicing that goes on. And the Bible says, you know where the rejoicing happens? At the throne of God, in the presence of the angels. Don't you believe it's the angels rejoicing? It's God rejoicing. It's the Father rejoicing that you have come. Come home. So we see the redeeming nature of God. The Son number two, we see the revealing nature of God the Spirit. You know where we see that? We see that as a picture of the Holy Spirit in verse 8. It's the candle and it's the broom. Here's this woman. She loses the, the, one, the one coin, right? And the Bible says she lights a candle and she sweeps the house. Everybody with me? She lights a candle, she sweeps the house. She lights a candle. A candle represents and is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. How many of you remember when the light went on for you spiritually? Remember when the light finally... Oh my goodness. Listen, that wasn't you that figured it out. That was the Holy Spirit of God that, that revealed to you your sin. He turned the light on. You had no light. You were without light. But the light came into the world. To show us that we needed Jesus, that we were sinners. And so she turns the light on. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God is so important in this story. God the Spirit reveals our sinful condition. God the Spirit is the one, even this morning, who has revealed to me this truth to share with you. He is the divine illuminator. He is the one who helps us to understand. But not only is he the divine illuminator with his candle, but he's the divine disturber with his broom. He gets that broom out and he starts sweeping. That's the Holy Spirit. Ooh, oh, wow. And so here's what happens when we walk out of the church. And it's, it's, it, I know what you mean, but it's not correct theological interpretation. Preacher, man, you sure stepped on my toes. I didn't do anything. You want me to step on your toe? Put it out there, Steve. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. I love you too much, man. <laughs> but thanks for letting me be an example. If I'm going to step on your toe, get your toe out there. I didn't do a thing. It's this. Wow, preacher, the Holy Spirit really disturbed me this morning. The Holy Spirit was, oh my goodness, preacher, I got to get some things right. He showed me some things. He swept up some dirt in my heart. He revealed some problems in my life. It's not the preacher. It's the Holy Spirit that turned the light on and got the broom out. <laughs> and swept some things up, stirred some things up in your heart. He's the divine disturber. Then finally, we see the receiving nature of God the Father. The receiving nature of God the Father. It, this is a picture, verse 16, of God the Father. Look at it real quickly here in verse 16. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger, and I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, and make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. No, I know it didn't happen this way, church. I know it didn't happen this way, but, but let's just imagine. Would you do that with me in closing? He comes up to the door of his house, and he sees a light on. He knows somebody's home. Somebody's got to be home. 
I'm so nervous. What, what, what's he going to say? What if he says he won't take me there? What, what, if, what if I've wasted all my inheritance and, oh, this is... But I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to say I'm sorry. I've got to do it. The door opens. It's his mother. Son, how are you? Hi, Mom. I, uh, I came to talk to Dad. Could I come in? No. I'll have to talk to your father about that. Well, could you do that? Could you go, could you go tell him his youngest son has, has come home? And, 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 and i just like to talk to him, Mom. Son, he's very angry. I don't know. Oh, Mom, just at least ask. She closes the door, locks it. She's gone for a very long time. Finally, she comes back. She opens the door. He looks at her with anticipation, and she says, Son, I have very bad news. Your father said to tell you that he doesn't have a younger son. Have a good day. What are you looking so sad for? It didn't happen that way. Joe, would you be my son in this illustration? You are my son. Okay. This is the house. This is the porch. Get over by that door, son. This is the porch. I'm standing on the porch. I've been here every day since he left. Every day since he left, I've been on the porch. I've been rocking my rocking chair. I've been looking, and here he comes. Oh, and I jump off the porch. Ha oh, ha, son, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, son, oh, son. You're okay. Oh, son, I love you so much. I'm so glad. And, 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 and Josiah says, hold up. I lost my earpiece. And Josiah says, Dad, wait a minute. You're way too happy. I, 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 I've messed up. I've been gone. I've been away. I, I've messed things up. Dad, Dad, I just want to come home and be one of your hired servants. Just let me sleep in the backyard, Dad. And I say, you kidding, boy? Sleep in the backyard. You ain't my servant. You're my son. I'm so glad you're home. Hey, boy. Hey, get the, get the robe, the best robe. Yeah, the uh, Perry Ellis Ralph Lauren one. Get the shoes, the floor shine ones, and kill the biggest, fattest razorback we got. We're having a party. Thanks. That's, that's how it happens. Then you say, is God like that? Not usually. Usually God is very majestic. He's true. He is. He's kind of slow, actually. <laughs> Funny, he let Lazarus die for four days. <laughs> God doesn't get in a hurry, but he's never late. But here's the thing about God. For some reason, he gets in a hurry when sinners come home. He, that just pumps him up. God just says, oh, I can't do any of this waiting stuff. There's a sinner coming home. Hey, I can't. Let's get him. He's coming home. He just stepped out the aisle at 600 Garland Street. Go snatch him up. He's coming home. Oh, listen. I don't know who you are today and where you're at in life. But if you're away from God, weak like a sheep, worthless like a coin, wretched like a lost son, I got some wonderful news for you. And that is this, that the door is wide open, and the Father says, come home, come home, come home. 
And that's why our Heavenly Father keeps company with sinners, Mr. Pharisee. Mr. I'm too good for church. Mr. I don't need this. Mr. You know, I'm not so bad. Oh, you're kind of like the older brother then? You know, there's two people in the story. The older brother, he got upset when the younger son came home. He got ticked. He said, yeah, you know, he's been gone. He's been doing all that junk. I've never made a mistake. I've never done, any, I've never done you wrong, Dad. Right? But at the end of the story, it's funny. The younger son's on the inside, and the older son's on the outside. Remember, who was Jesus talking to in this story? Luke 15, too? Religious people. Pharisees and scribes. Let me close with this thought. There is no one so bad that cannot be saved. And there is no one so good that need not be saved. Everyone needs to be saved. Everyone. We're all sinners. And so today, would you give your heart to Jesus? It's time. Would you give your heart to Jesus? You say, how do I do that, Pastor? What are you talking about? Hey, have you felt? Look up here before you put everything up, because this is such an important part. Just for a moment. I know I'm done with the message, but man, this is the best part. This is where we, we make a decision. Have you come to services this morning lost? <laughs> lost in darkness and away from God, and you came to maybe find your way? And the light has gone on this morning, and, and the broom has stirred up some dirt, and I want you to come and be saved today. I mean, ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Ask him. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that I don't deserve heaven, but but God, I accept your wonderful grace by faith. I don't even understand it all. I know, God, I don't understand much about what he talked about, but I want to learn, and God, I want to accept you as my Savior and what you did for me on that cross, and you shed your blood. Come into my heart. Save me, God, right now. And he will. He will. I'd like to ask our ministers to come and just stand up front. These are, these are our pastors. These are men in our church that I'm going to tell you what to do. If, if, if you need to come, I want you to stand and just come to them. Just come to one of them. Shake their hands and just say, hey, I'm coming this morning. I'm coming to Christ. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm accepting Christ. I don't, I don't know really what to do. I don't know what's next. I, I'm just coming. I, the pastor said to come. And, and, and I... I sense that I need to come. I just believe I need to come. When we stand, I want you to come to these, just come to these men and let them know from the balcony, just to step out right down the stairs, wherever you are, come. Secondly, maybe you're here this morning and you're looking for a church, a family, a place to be a part of. Maybe you've never been baptized as a believer in the church. You need to come. And then finally, maybe you're a, you're saved, but you're just away from God. And there has been a time in your life, if you were honest, where you've been closer to God than you are right now. And I understand that. I've been there. Would you come? Find a place on the altar. I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand. Father, I pray right now that you would work, that you would do a work.